What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down 102.2, and we're continuing our playthrough of Lost Odyssey. Today I have with me Matt. Hello. And yeah, uh, uh, I don't, I feel like I didn't get very far. Yeah, I put a lot of hours in, in the last week. I probably put in nine hours. A uh, little of that was to catch up. A little of that was backtracking and looking for items. A lot of that was grinding. Yeah. And a good amount of that was progress. But, yeah, I it, it's interesting. The, the game has taken on a much different shade to me in the last, like, one and a half sessions because I'm really I'm settling in more to it. I'm like, all right, I... I know that when I reach a new area, I kind of know what to do. The first couple of battles, you know, back to back to that point, the first couple of battles in every new section are a little bit rough. And that's perfect. And I know that there's no point in grinding in the traditional sense, but but also there is kind of still a need to grind because I don't want to hit a boss underleveled. Right. Uh but then I'm I'm still doing grinding for other reasons, mostly to get more SP and to distribute out, you know, all, all the abilities and skills. I, I I learned a few new things this week, like all of those slot seeds. I finally used them, and I was like, holy shit, this game just got way different. <laughs> oh really? I ha I haven't used any slot seeds. Yeah, I hadn't either, and I had built up twelve or fourteen of them. Mm -hmm. Turns out they are super super useful. So what do those do? They give your immortals extra spell slots. So you use because one on one person kind of thing? Yeah, I used six on one and six on the other. Gotcha. And then I so, you know, it's it's such a restriction or it felt like such a restriction, only having three spell slots. And I said, Alright, looks like they're getting around that a little bit by the ability to combine different spells together, which is kinda cool. Yeah. You can use one slot to get two types of skills. But even then, I mean three slots per character is absurd. And now, like, all of a sudden going from three all the way up to nine or ten, it was amazing. I'm like, oh, all, all these things that I was like, yeah, this is never going to make the top three, so it's pointless. Now all of a sudden can easily make the top ten skills. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it looks like I need to need to use those up then because I still haven't. Yeah. I figured you were going to give them to someone. Like, I gave the my regular seeds to the Peapot. I figured I'd give my slot seeds to a slot machine. I don't know. Yeah. Turns out they're super useful. Okay. Well, good. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, the, the last thing we left off on, I had, I had done something that you hadn't, Matt. Um, I had, we had found Mac. Mac had run off into, uh, the Crimson Forest. And, um, you were right there at the end yeah. of it. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was like legit, like 20 minutes worth. Yep. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was only another 15 or 20 minutes away from that, from that <laughs> boss fight. So uh, we make it to the boss fight. So I have to mention, uh, I think I said it last week, but I'm going to reiterate it here. Um, there is a mechanic in this game, in the, particularly in this dungeon, where you have to dodge huh. uh, boulders. Yeah, yeah, you do. And it was kind of a pain in the butt. Yes, it was. Uh, so I was dodging boulders and got hit multiple times. Did not realize, because I'm an idiot, that... Uh, they were taking down my hit points every time I got hit. And, yeah, because you're outside of battle. Yeah. 
but it does pop up. I noticed that later on, but I was like, oh. But yeah, I uh, I got hit a lot of times and got into a random battle trying to climb back up to the stairs. And uh, started the battle with two of my characters having two hit points. And they got one-shotted, and then the rest of my team got wiped, too. And I was like, well, I'm done for the day. Yep. Yeah, I turned, yep. that, I turned that game off. I was like, I ain't, nah, nah, I'm not doing that. So, uh, yeah. Um, and to be completely honest with you, because I don't have the time anymore, I have been using the sla- the save point uh, exploit, mm-hmm. where... If I'm running around and I find a save point, guess what? I'm saving, quitting the game, and coming back into it with full HP and full MP. Because yeah, I've done that. Sure. Why the hell not? Because every other turn-based RPG has an item that lets you do that. So why the hell would you not have that in your game? Make it more yep. challenging, sure. If you want to make it more challenging, I don't care about that. So... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to uh, save and quit, and then come right back in. But uh, yeah, I, I I have so full disclosure, I have been doing that this entire time. Yeah, I've done it three or four times when I realized I was going to have to use up a vast majority of my healing and mana potions to get back to normal, and I just said, why? Why would I do that? Exactly. Why would I put myself at such a disadvantage later? So yeah. Um, but anyway, um, after we make it past the Indiana Jones section, um, we make it to the door, uh, and uh, when we enter into this main area here, we have Mac, um, basically being possessed by the spirit of the crimson forest i would i would say that was that's what that is yeah um, i i really expected the boss in the crimson forest to be redder that's what i was thinking too it's very blue yeah it's very blue very octopus like with its tentacles yeah didn't um, really feel like a forest creature but so uh Mac is being possessed by the spirit and it is projecting this monster that is like uh like an octopus, it's a bunch of tentacles. Uh one of the tentacles grabs Cook and holds her. I've seen these in games before. Uh so our party member is useless right now. One of our party members is two of them technically are useless and uh we have to rescue both of them. Uh first being Cook uh, which we can easily do by just chopping that tentacle until it lets her go. Uh, and then she joins the party again, and we can continue with the fight. Um, but eventually, uh, we are able to basically, I, I guess, suppress the the spirit for a while. It leaves um, Max's body and is now behind him, but he's standing in front. And we can't just attack it. We have to go after Mac first. To which we're like, okay, well, we don't want to kill my grandson. <laughs> yeah, because unlike me, he's not an immortal. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
the the best thing to do is is put him into incapacitated state, which is put him to sleep. So that's what I did. I cast sleep on him. Yep. Yep. And I'm going to be honest with you, and I I have found this in almost every other JRPG I've ever played. I get spells that paralyze, poison, put to sleep, blind, that sort of thing. Never do those things work on bosses. And I feel like I would never use them in regular battles. Why would I ever use sleep in a regular battle? Yeah, I'm trying to think of scenarios in other games where that's happened. I mean, I guess the argument for using it is that you can then turn your attention to the other if you've got two enemies, right? So you can fight them one at a time. Sure. But I think things would have to be so well-tuned to where that would be a necessary option. Yeah. Because usually either they're going to kill me or I'm going to kill them. And I actually think that's a thing that this game does fairly well is balance out these battles. Again, as, as we mentioned, the simple battles can be difficult if you're not prepared or if you come in with two characters at two hit points. Yeah. You know, the, the bosses are challenging if you don't use the right strategy. You kind of have to figure that out as you go a little bit. And, yeah. you know, that... that this is a game where I might have expected an option like that to work better just because it seems like the way they've tuned the levels in the battles, it, everything feels fairly important in the battle. Like every, every choice kind of matters a little bit. Yeah. The only game I can think of where status effects actually affect the bosses was a game that we we played together, which was uh, The Trails of Cold Steel. Oh, yeah. In, yeah. In, since we played that, I finally slowly built up two and three. I have two. I the strange thing is I have two on the PSP, or not the PSP, the PS Vita, which I do not own a Vita. I own a PlayStation <laughs> uh, PS TV was what it was called, I think. PlayStation TV. Yeah, Vita. Was it Vita TV? It PS... might have been. It might have been Vita TV. Yeah. Yeah. I have that little card. I, I found it the other day because I was playing out some stuff. And I was huh. like, oh right, I have two games on this thing. Yeah, until I, until I finally switched over to buy the Amazon dongle, I had always had the intent to buy a PSTV. Yeah. So, but yeah, Trails of Cold Steel, that was the first and only game I've ever seen that your the bosses, you can totally put to sleep and you can paralyze them and stuff like that. And it, it's viable. I, and I, I'm this game. This game, as I learn in this play, th- this play session, there's some old school JRPG tropes that I am glad have died. Huh. Yeah, sadly, random encounters is still present, ever present here. Random encounters is one of them, um, and the thing we were talking about right before the show. Um, Crap, now I've lost it. I will get into it. I'm sure it'll jog my memory. <laughs> um, the weird thing about the leveling up system, you know, you, you... I don't hate it as much as I thought I was going to, to be honest. I, I, I still really am pissed off I'm getting robbed of XP. 
Yeah, I I was, except that the fact that I can level up backup characters and the fact that I can get SP and am starting to appreciate that value a lot more, especially just at kind of the tail end of this play session, Yeah, mean that I feel like I'm still getting a lot out of those, or, or enough out of those battles. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, so we put uh, sorry back to the boss fight. We put cooked. Uh, um, we put uh, Mac to sleep, and then we can take on the boss. We can fight him. But Mac will wake back up, which only happened one turn. So I was able to just do it again. Boss wasn't very difficult for me. Yeah, not not too much. Yeah. Uh, but after um, beating the uh, the spirit of the Crimson Forest. Um, Max, like, sorry, I wanted to, uh, I, I, he heard that, uh, going to the Crimson Forest, you could, uh, speak to people who have passed, um, but, uh, he, he gets something here, so, uh, since the spirit of the forest possessed him, he can now use spirit magic? I guess yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't tell if it was because he was possessed or just because he like formed a connection in the forest. It could have been either one at this point. But uh it's pretty useful, so I'm glad he did whatever he did. Yeah, there's it's spirit magic's like a almost like a buffer magic. Which yeah, again between that and it being non-elemental, which is super helpful. Yeah, that's it's being basically like a physical attack kind of thing. He's 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 a strange character. So you've got Kaim and you've got Seth, who are like your warrior knight type characters, who are yep. going to you know be the attackers, uh, the tanks they kind can, of thing. They come in with swords, exactly. So you kind of you kind of know what they're doing. You got Jansen, who is like a, a, a typical typical black mage. Uh, or I would say more like a, a red mage, maybe. I don't know. Like uh, as far as Final Fantasy mages go, because he uses white magic and black magic pretty good. Yeah, I feel like he tips more toward the black magic. Yeah, I, I agree. And and because of that, I've well, and because of the party composition, he's become more of a black mage for me. Yeah. And then you got Cook, who is your white mage, really good at, at prayers yep. and, and healing. And then you've got Mac. And Mac is a weird one, because Mac can actually do some pretty decent physical damage. But yeah. he also has the ability to use different types of magic. I was calling him like a monk. That's what I was going to say, too. He He's basically a monk. Um, Just a very young monk. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's that's what I kind of felt like. He 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 felt like a monk to me. Yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, so we decided we're going to go back to Numara or Numera. I still don't know how to pronounce that. But um, as we uh, arrive, um, th- there's a. a <laughs> Apparently, there's jumbotrons in this universe. Uh, so, on a giant screen in the plaza, 
the Ura Prince, or should I say King, has uh, sent out a broadcast to the entire world saying that he uh, has taken up the throne and has now become the King of Ura and disbanded the council because of the untimely death of the head councilman. By a certain serpent. Yeah. Um, and uh, he is um, he is going to be uh, taking over the the affairs of Ura uh, basically by himself with the help of his advisor, which is the sorcerer Gangora. And yep. so that, that that that's come full circle. Yep. He gets demoted and, and some, put under house arrest, and all of a sudden he's number two. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and the first order of business, now that he is the new king of Ura, is to ready battle stations. We're going to move in on Namora. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, uh, yeah, um, he has got footage of the the white boa, particularly, uh, in Namora. Um Basically, uh, docked at the uh, at the bay of Nomura, the the port of Nomura, and he can only see that as a sign of of them getting ready to invade. So he's doing a preemptive strike. Uh, he also plays a clip of said footage, um, and you see and hear a few people from our band of misfits, uh, particularly a. Jansen himself saying, looks like they must be getting ready to invade Ura. And then you see Seth standing there. And, of course, everybody in the crowd is looking at our party saying, hey, I'm pretty sure it's these people over here. So they, they kind of disperse really quickly. And our party's like, yeah, maybe we should uh, maybe we should get out of here right now. So it's uh it's not looking good. Uh they're saying that uh we are now Uran spies who have been sent to Namora and uh the good old Heihachi is now hot on our trail trying to find us. Yeah, he is he's all about us. Yeah. What is his actual name? Uh, Kakanis. Kakanis. That's right. General Kakanis. Because every time I saw it, I saw Kansas. And I was like, <laughs> ah, it's Kansas again. It's like our Kansas. Yep. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so the general is, is definitely trying to find us. Um, so we try to remain hidden, but unfortunately in this city we really can't. So we eventually get surrounded by Numeran forces and we have a fight with them almost like a mini boss fight where you have a bunch of guys these guys some of these guys hit hard they got that one attack that like shoots out like a like a ground wave like a shock wave yeah that sucker did some damage yeah I've had some shocking battles in this section where I'm used to taking 70, 80, 100 damage, and then all of a sudden I'm taking like 300 or 500. Yeah, there's one where the um, 
the soldier commands the dog to attack you. Yeah. And that hurts really, really badly. So, um... Luckily, our party has swelled enough that it distributes some of those attacks, and I have more opportunities to heal. Yeah. That's uh, that's the only thing I can I can hope for at this point is just have a full party and maybe they'll try to go after my back line which is not going to do much damage. Yeah, or Kaim who's got like thirteen hundred life at this point. Yeah. So um, the only thing we can think of is uh, uh, we we get surrounded. Um, uh, we tell the uh, because they're bombarding us. With uh, with like, I guess cannon fire. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think it was those tanks. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, Kime's like, "All right, Cook, Mac, get out of here. Just you know, we'll we'll meet up later. Just just go right now. Let the adults handle this. <laughs> yeah. And so they they run off. Uh, so they leave the party for a little while. Um, eventually we get stopped by the rest of the forces. Uh. And Kansas shows up, and uh, we have another fight. Um, but luckily, um, a giant smoke screen appears, and uh, it shrouds our escape. Cook and Max show back up, and are like, "Hey, we're here to rescue you. Come on!" Uh, so we uh. Is this is this when when the the the, the clothes fall off these guys? <laughs> I was gonna say when they when they first encountered us, they they have a mage, right, who detects the contact lens that Jensen's wearing. That's right. I thought that was the second time, but no, it's it's, it's this. Maybe time. it is. No, it's, yeah, it, I thought it was the first time. It is the first time because we run back yeah, into okay. them again. After we escape. Um, so, yeah, we get... So, Kime, Jansen, and Seth get captured. Then Cook and and Max save us. Um, yeah, they take us to, like, this, this council area. Uh, and they bring out this mage who uh, does a spell on Jansen. They're like, oh, these guys are spies... We're having our mage. He's going to do some work on you. See if we can figure out what exactly you guys are up to. Well, this mage pulls out this like magical contact lens out of Jansen. Yep. And uh, now that he's done that once or twice earlier in the game, you did see it kind of shimmer, reflect light a little bit, and That's almost right. like he had a bionic eye. That's right. So, um, yeah, that's how they got that footage. Uh, so Gongora, without Jansen knowing, implanted this magical, he called it something, I can't remember what it was called. It might have been yeah, just called Magic Eye or something. Yeah, they like defended him and they're like, oh, well, it's possible that it was installed without the without the subject knowing. And I'm like, yeah, it's possible, but why would that be your assumption? Uh, apparently, I, I, I didn't quite get that part. Oh, I can't. I, I think he. It just. I think it was just because he was like a powerful mage. He was like, "Yeah, this this more than likely was installed without this guy knowing about it." Which, of course, Kansas is like, "I don't care." 
<laughs> take them away. In fact, kill them. They're spies. We don't need them anymore. And uh, that's when the rescue happens. We have a fight. The rescue happens. Uh, smoke scream. We're getting out of here. And uh, I can't remember what happens, but uh, everybody loses their clothes. Yeah. This, it says that Mac and Cook stole it. Stole their clothes. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Don't, don't have any idea how, but... I uh, but uh, yeah, uh, so we escape again. Uh, we're now on the run. Uh, I think we even get a a point where we can like kind of rest for a second. Yeah, I think so. And we're like, look, the only way we can actually get out of this is by getting the queen involved. She can help us. Seth says she knows her. And she should, she should really, like, she should remember me. Uh, if not, we can probably jog her memory. Uh, but we need her help now more than ever. So we have to go seek out the, the queen. Ming is her name. Uh... So we go back to Is this the... the part where you go into the courtyard? Yeah. And like you can run around the outside and there's like 75 of those little pots, but you're getting chased by the dogs? Yeah. Yeah, we're getting chased by the dogs. And I found out that if you search a pot, the dogs stop chasing you and you can kind of run around them. Yeah. I was going to say they kept getting stuck on everything and yeah. <laughs> they're not very good guard dogs. No, not really. But yeah, going through this courtyard, uh, we finally run back into Ming. She is asleep, but like a weird Yeah, sleep. she does a lot of lounging. Yeah. Like, she's a figurehead, I get it, but she does not very much. So we... She's fainting, sleeping, and lounging, and <laughs> yeah. playing the harp. And... <laughs> so we, uh, we take, we, we wake her up. She remembers Jansen, but she's like, I don't know any of you other guys, including Seth. And Seth's like, look, we we were comrades at one point. You're going to need to help us. While this is going on, door kicks open. Bam. It's high. It, well, I was going to say hi. hi God. <laughs> hey, Hachi. Uh, but Kansas shows up. And... Uh, Jansen's like, all right, I got an idea. He takes Ming and does like a magic spark on his hand. And he's like, I'm going to kill her if you guys don't back up right now. And of course, everybody's buying this. And uh, Ming plays along. She's like, all right, there's a, there's, a, there's a back exit to this room. Just hit the button there. And so we go along with it and make our narrow escape. And it allows us to go back out to the main kind of like plaza area of Numara. Um, but uh, Kansas isn't done just yet. He orders his giant magical tank to come in. And he attacks us with the tank. Straight up just aiming the tank at the queen. And I'm just like, aren't you supposed to be saving her? 
Yeah, he clearly doesn't like her very much, but this is kind of overt. Yeah. Which you can tell he doesn't care for the queen anyway. Yeah. So maybe he's just thinking, oh, this will just be collateral damage. Yeah, we'll say somebody else shot a tank at her. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we get into a boss fight with the tank. This fight was a joke. Yeah, this one was pretty easy. Yeah. Just uh, if you want to stop it from attacking you with its hard attacks, you, you take out its like little charging batteries first. Easy peasy. Yep. And It uh, did some decent damage, but it did it so infrequently that it didn't really matter. Yeah. It was it was weird. But uh yeah, it it uh, maybe it was supposed to be kind of like a, a, a semi joke battle since this guy is such a comic relief. Yeah, for being the the military general for sure. Yeah. Um after beating him uh, he he can't believe that he's been beaten. This is the best tank in the whole army. And uh, there's that giant arch right above the the, the plaza. He uh, tries to aim at us, but he shoots the arch instead, and it creates kind of a barrier, so he can't make it past us. So we get out of there. Yep, even more of his comical incompetence. Yep. And so... Uh, Jansen has a, a bright idea now that we have the queen with us. She joins our party officially. And uh, he's like, hey, there's... Oh, no, no, it wasn't Jansen, it was Seth. Seth was like, yeah, we need to... I have an idea of how we can get out of here. Let's go to the port. There's a ship there. And... Uh, cool. This is the weirdest... This is like the weirdest little section ever to me because yeah. one we run into a race of people that are weird looking that have never been talked about in this game they're like these little blue guys with all the same faces they're yep. like they're like little imps or something and they're all engineers and they're working on this boat okay we're just running around I'm assuming but they, they they never actually show Ming in any of these cutscenes. I'm assuming yeah, they just which, see us with the queen and they don't care. Yeah, that that makes more sense than any of the rest of it. Yeah, but I never see Ming, so I'm assuming these guys are just okay with random people running around uh, a a very important boat that they got. Yeah, because they're talking. This is going to be their flagship. Yeah. This got is, a special engine in it. Yeah, I got this engine that that came out of a. What was it? It came out of. It was like um. Out of something. I can't remember. Yeah, I thought they said it was like something they had never seen before, either like a, a special relic or an artifact or a UFO dropped it. Yeah, it was something they like say that. A, a large fish washed up on the shore, and it had the engine like in its stomach. But yeah, that was what it was. Uh, but they utilized it and put it on this boat. And so we just decided to, to steal it. And we, we, as soon as we jump on the boat, everybody's like, whoa, what are you doing? I'm like, well, why didn't you stop stop from coming inside yeah. this building anyway? What did you think we were going to do? <laughs> yeah. You think we're just coming to look at the boat? And so we, we escape on the boat with Seth at the helm. 
She's taking her role as the pirate captain again. And now we have access to a, the world map officially where we can go as we please. So um, I went to what was blinking on the map. Yep. We can go anywhere we want, but I'm not sure where we want to go. I just know where the game tells us to go. Yep. So I went to where it was blinking on the map, which was the Numara Atoll. Pulled up there, and it's completely empty. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is not where I'm supposed to go. So I go back, leave the Numara Atoll. It takes me back to the map screen where I can choose a destination. Not get on the ship. <laughs> so I chose a destination, and then Kime just hoof it, hoofs it. To that point, I go back to the Numera, Numera port, and I'm just like, okay, how do I get back on the freaking ship? So I had to go back to the map, and I had to travel to a port, a place where you could park the ship. Yep. Then I'm in the ship. What the hell? <laughs> like I couldn't figure I was like what and that was like you know 10-15 minutes I'm just like I, I ran around this atoll nothing there and I was just like what is going on here but yeah what you're supposed to do is while you're on the ship on the world map or the overworld you're supposed to go back to the cabin so you go back to the actual ship where you can walk around as Kime, and then you get a cutscene. Nobody told me to do this. Yeah, that's one of the marks of this game. Yeah. And in the cutscene that we have while on the ship, everybody's trying to talk to the, the new party member, Ming, and everybody is is trying to jog her memory and for some reason, out of nowhere, this cutscene, apparently Kaim has remembered a whole lot of stuff that they decided not to show us for some reason. So, but uh, yeah, good job on the game for, for just, just skimming through this. Yeah, he here's the funnier part here. I didn't see this. I missed this whole section. I never went to the bridge of the ship. What? Where did you... How? how well... I just got in the ship and drove to a different port option. I think there was one other place we could go to in the ship. I went over to, I think, directly to the Tusk village. Okay. And that's it. I, I, never, saw, I never saw this. I'm looking a little bit at what they said, and it seems like it would have been good information to have. Yeah, so... Kaim is like, yeah, I, he, uh, so Seth is uh, talking to me and saying, you know, what did you mean by we used to be comrades? And she's like, you don't remember? Like, yeah, 200 years ago or so, so many, so many years, a hundred years ago. I can't remember how long it was. It's like, yeah, we all fought alongside each other. We're all immortal. 
and she she was naming people. She was like, and Kime chimes in. He's like, yeah, we were all part of a party. It was me, you, Seth, Gongora, and one other person. And I'm like, well, it looks like Kime's starting to remember stuff, and he's the main character. Why are we not shown that he's remembering this stuff? Yeah, especially when it's this critical. Yeah. Interesting. And Kaim also says that they made a pact, a thousand-year pact agreement. And when the thousand years was up, Gongora betrayed them. And I don't know what happened. Huh. Yeah. So he's remembering all this stuff. He said the only thing Gongor is trying to do now is make us suffer. And they're like, how are they making you suffer? He's trying to cause us pain. He's like, he took away the the thing I cared about the most that I couldn't have. And um, it it was showing the, the cut scene of, of Lyra? Lyrum. Lyrum. Lyrum falling. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there was no, so I, I take that back. There was, there was one more. So there was Ming, Kaim, Seth, Sarah, and then one other person, I think. And which yeah, I think. So the five immortals. Yeah. Kaim, Ming, Seth, Gangora, Sarah. There you go. And so that was... And the, I was like, okay, well, Kime's remembering stuff that they're just not going to show me. So, all right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Ming says, well, we need to get to Gungora. And they're like, yep, we need to get to Gungora. But we can't make it to Ura on the ship. Because we have to cross the ocean and it won't survive it. So, why don't we stop by... This other kingdom, I know of the king there. He doesn't know me, but he knows of me. Maybe we can get his aid. Uh, I can't remember the name of the kingdom, but yeah, we go to the, the was it the Toka village? Wow, I, I'm so confused. I thought the whole reason we went there is because we were eventually looking for Sarah. See, they mentioned Gungora in that cutscene. Yeah, but we can't. Uh, we can't. Wow, I, I we, am shocked that. Yeah, we went. We, I didn't even need to see this cutscene. Yeah, we were so, we, like, so we're trying to. The, the end goal is get to Gungora. That's all they talked about the entire time, and she said, "Let's go talk to the king of this this other country, and he see if we can get his aid." And in order to get there, we had to go to this village that then leads to a cave but we can't get through the cave because of a sorceress. And that's where we're at. Wow. This logic of this whole section is very strange to me. Yeah. I guess that's what happens when you don't tell your players what you're supposed to do. See, I thought we were just... I thought it was so much simpler than that. I thought it was... After Lyrum died, we said, hey, we need to get some immortals. Let's go find Sarah. Or I need to, you know, I need to relay this to Sarah. I didn't know there, I didn't know anything about Gungora. 
since I never saw that cutscene. I didn't have any actual rationale for going anywhere in the ship, which was a huge gap when I was playing it. I just said, yeah, that's that's the section that's available to me that's lowest on the list, therefore it must be new, so I guess I'll go there. And the whole like r- rationale for it was just not existent, other than I guess Sarah must be in this direction. Yeah, that was yeah. what I got. So we go to this village, and when we arrive, everybody recognizes Kaim. Man, Kaim's back, everybody. Yeah, and they're so happy to see him. Some of these guys are like, you still look the same. (laughs) Um, And to which I was thinking, how long has he been gone from this village? So apparently, uh, Kaim lived in this village with Sarah at one point. Um. But uh, it's it's been changed at this point. They uh, they. I assume he must have been happier then. I would assume. And then we get a little cutscene where they go to the inn and and uh, Jansen gets uh, Ming drunk. Yeah, she just passes out right at the table. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah. So the the plan is we want to go. We talk to the barkeep. And he tells us that, uh, well, we kept up your old mansion that you used to live in right outside of town. Uh, but uh, after you left, some uh, some woman sorceress took over the 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 building, and nobody can go in there anymore. Nobody wants to go in there anymore. Uh, and she's also taking control of the, I think it's called the Black Cave, I think is what it's called. Yep. And um, the Black Cave is where you need to go in order to get to that town, the city where that king is that we need to talk to. Goatza. Goatza? Right. Goatza, G-O-H-T-Z-A. Yes, that's the name of the, the country. I the, think so. The kingdom, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, in order for us to get to the Black Cave, we first have to at least go and take down the sorceress that's keeping people from going through it. Did you do this part in the village where you have to go around and try and find all the statues and throw wreaths on them? I never got the option. I found this. I saw all the statues, but I, I must have missed talking to somebody to throw the wreaths on them. Yeah, it was basically just, we'll give you a reward the more, there's like 16 of them total, and it's how many of them can you find within five minutes. Oh, wow. Did you get them all? No, not even close. I found nine in the village, and then there was three on the way out, but I, you know, that was only 12. I don't know where the last three or four were. Well, they happen to be inside of buildings? Uh, There was at least one inside of a building. You do a little bit of looting up in the inn, the upstairs in the inn, between the two rooms. There's like a little fountain that's got one in it. Uh, you climb both the ladders. And then there's, yep, there's there's a couple up the ladders. I think three on the first ladder. I don't think there was any on the second ladder. But I, I, I might have missed one there. Hmm. No, I didn't do that. I did talk to an old man who opened up a memory for me. 
Oh, very good. Did you miss it? I think I did. I don't remember if that was the the hero. Yeah, the hero. hero. Yeah. I no, I did see that one. I okay, just, or I did did read that one. There you go. So yeah, we have to travel to the the old sorceress manor or mansion, uh, which yep. was Kime's old home. A, yeah, a little bit of a Resident Evil style mansion. You got some crests, and you got to put them in the right locations and rotate things. So yeah, I, I didn't get that far. I made it to the mansion and tried to follow this little ghost girl, and I was like. I don't know what I'm doing here. And I decided to grind here because I now have a party member who's not in my active party. So I wanted to level Ming up. Ming is very underleveled for me at this point when I realized she was in my party. Because as you mentioned, you don't really see her when you're walking around. She also wasn't in my main party every time I would go to like the pause screen, if you will. Right. And I just forgot she was part of the party. And so I had kept playing, and then all of a sudden, halfway through the mansion, realized that I had access to her, put her in my party. I'm like, yeah, she is not inherently terrible, but just so underleveled that she's terrible. So I'm like, all right, well, I've already hit the level cap in this area, so I'm just going to grind for Ming and for SP. So what level were you when you finished the mansion? Either 25 or 26. Okay. So all my characters are 25 right now, except for Ming. Yep. So maybe I'm ready. So what ended up happening was I walked around the mansion. I saw the mirror. Talk, talked around the mirror twice. Okay, that's not doing anything. Went down the hallway, opened up a door. It made a battle happen. And yep. then... I was like, okay, there's multiple doors here. I don't know if I want to open these because these monsters kind of suck. Yep. And to me, that was a that was a perfect example of the first time I fought those monsters. My whole party was feared or stoned, All right? Except for Mac, and I'm just there using my simple, uh, you know, spirit magic over and over again and it took like 30 turns to get through that one i'm like oh, i just barely survived this half my party didn't get xp yeah uh, it, and that's when i was like yeah i'm just gonna grind this I, I can survive it and yeah i mean it was a good example for me of like the whole spectrum of being slightly not quite beaten by the battle but certainly almost beaten to the point at the end where i'm like yeah i've I've done enough of these battles. I know what to do. I've leveled up a few times. I feel confident. I'm not going to lose the, at these battles, and I can easily use them for SP and for Ming. So it was, a, it was a nice little full like power arc. So that's that's another trope that I'm glad has has slightly slightly died. There's still some games that don't do it. I don't like the fact that if I have somebody out of my party, they're not gaining anything at all. Yeah. I I get why that is. As a 35-year-old guy who works a lot of hours and doesn't have that much time, 
this is frustrating to me because yep. I'll, and I'll tell you what a lot of modern RPGs have fixed that where even even if you have more people in your party they're not actually in your active party and they still get experience points and still level up Pokemon is a great example of that now there's a lot of Pokemon purists out there who say that that is ruining the game it's making it too easy and I say I don't care <laughs> And this game suffers majorly from that because I I sat there, so I was going to try to make it through the mansion, but unfortunately, I felt like I needed to level these characters up. So I spent yeah. an hour and a half grinding. And then on top of that, which the reason why I'm so afraid that I'm, I need to level everybody up is because something that, that Chad mentioned in one of his emails saying that, Hey, there's going to be a part in this game where you're going to play as characters. You don't normally play as, so you need to make sure everybody gets leveled up. I hate that. Yeah, me too. Because it's not just leveling. It's like, do I want to give my good ring to anyone but Kime. Because if I give it to somebody and they disappear, am I going to lose it? Yeah. So, there's a prime example for this, and it was a... We're going to go back in the archives here. It was a Persona 3 uh, thing. If you remember, we did that game for Zombie Frog Game Club back in the day, Matt. Uh, I do remember. I adore that game. I do too. But there is a part in that game, a little bit past halfway through the game, where they make you play as a character that I chose not to level up at all. At this point in the game, most of my main party is 40s. This character is like 19 or 20. And I couldn't actually get through this part. Mm. I had I had to reload a different save. Don't do this in your games, guys. You can, you can't yeah. you can't expect me to do this. Yeah, and it's it's that looming fear. I definitely get that. But I did think it was okay with Ming because the the automatically getting a level for every battle, essentially. If we had been getting XP for the other characters, I would have been, in that sense, more annoyed because now I'm missing out on XP from a core character to give it to Ming, who I only want leveled up enough so that I don't get screwed later. It, it was Jansen that I sat you know, specifically for this grinding session or two. And I was like, I don't want Jansen to miss XP because I need Jansen as my black mage. But the way they do it in this game, I kind of liked it because Jansen wasn't missing out on Diddly because I wasn't getting any XP anyway for my main characters. This so, is true. So like in that sense, I didn't have to make the choice. Do I want my good characters to be better or do I want my bad characters to be acceptable? It is I, I got to choose. Like My characters were maxed out. Now I'm only going to level... The backups, 
not it's not a perfect solution, but I, I kind of like that because I didn't feel as bad about benching Jansen. Yeah. And that's that's what I did too. I, I benched him to to bring out Ming and level her up. And yeah, the leveling went relatively quickly, but some of these battles, you know, take yeah. take upwards to like three or four minutes. And I'm just like, you know, that time adds up eventually. And I wasn't yeah. able to finish the 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 mansion, you know. Yes, yeah. I'm also because of that extra leveling, really getting to love some of the shared abilities. Especially now that you've got a third mortal to pull from. I kind of feel like they're vampires, since they're immortal and they're sucking these abilities out of the, the mortals. Yeah. Um, but specifically, in the one I'm working on right now, I haven't actually used it yet. But the idea that I've got Kaim as my strongest like physical attacker. Right. He's the one that goes in. He's got a ring that boosts his physical attacks. He's the guy. Like If someone's susceptible to... Swinging a sword, Kaim's going to be the one swinging it. Yep. To pair that with max, like, double hit ability. Yep. Uh, skill, not spell. Or his, like, his other one that's just, like, a power hit. I was like, that's awesome because I only, you know, I, I only because I've taken this extra time to expand his slots. And now I've used those slot spells to have the slot seeds to get all the extra spell slots. Those two things com- combined means I've got Kaim who can do every level of or every type of magic now. Plus, he's getting these bonuses to his physical abilities. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. And the fact that uh, I-, I think it was even in this section because I some of the the Reaper looking enemies you have to use. Like I was I was mostly using spirit magic, and now I've got four different characters that can use spirit magic only because they all sucked that ability out of Mac. So here's the thing that I found out though, is that if you remove Mac from the party, active party, you're not linked with him anymore. Really? That's what happened with with my guy. Whenever I pulled Jansen out, Kaim became almost useless against m- monsters that like were were like um, immune to magic. Yeah. And so I was like, great. Because well, that's weird because that that defeats the whole point of the rings, right? The whole idea of the rings is you wear the ring until you've learned it, then you discard the ring. So the rings, yes, but the stuff that you that the immortals learned from skill links, I feel like they have to be in the party with them because I, I there's stuff I learned from huh. that Kaim learned from Jansen that when I removed Jansen, Kaim didn't have it anymore. Yeah, I, I must have missed that because I was just using spirit magic the whole time. Yeah, take a look. And I still, ha- I, still I, had Mac in my party. I feel, like, I, I feel like I'm right. I could very well be wrong, but I, I did. I distinctly remember when I was leveling up Ming, I was like, oh, Kaim doesn't have half the stuff he had whenever Jensen was in the party. Huh. And it wasn't just that he was sealed because that was a pain in the... No, no, it was multiple yeah, fights. I realized that. Because Kaim has a sword that's like, I can't remember what the name of the sword is, but it's like it looks like it's sweating all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's Adamantus, right? I, I think I can't remember, but it does water damage. Yep. And on enemies who are immune to uh, magic, it doesn't do any damage to them. Huh. 
And now Kaim doesn't have his black magic because, well, he learned it all from from Jansen, making Kaim essentially useless. Which is another reason, I guess, to keep Ming on the bench because you can't learn anything from other immortals, right? Can't yeah. link to other immortals. So I'm not going to lose anything by benching her. That's true. Although her composite magic's pretty nice. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. I did, I did use that quite a lot. The all earth. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's where I stopped. I know you made it past this part right here. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in this mansion, but I, I made it through the mansion, past the boss here, and then just into the, one section further, into the Black Cave. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, the, you were behind last week. I'm behind this week. That, that's okay. Yeah, I, you know, I, I am en- enjoying it, though, so I, I'm i not too concerned with... I'm not like trying to get through this just to be done with it by any means. I, you know, I'm fairly well enjoying the building of my characters, and you know, again, still kind of the micromanaging. I still love every little ding at the end of a battle when it's like Kaim has learned this skill. I'm like, yes, now I can sub in the next one. Yep. Keep I'm, building up that rep. I'm big on that too. The one thing we haven't mentioned yet that I I find. Not aggravating, but it's the kind of thing I keep looking at. I'm like, yeah, this is probably going to annoy me before the game's over. The number of times that like I walk up to something and I see the A to interact with it, and then I hit A and nothing happens. Really? Either, either it just like didn't register that I hit the button. I feel like half the time that's what it is, and half the time it's that I've shifted two degrees off center and now it's no longer an option to interact or I'm too close to it and I need to back up. I, I've i just been really surprised at the number of times that's happened. Hmm. I'm not sure why, but I have to like, every time I'm trying to interact with something, I have to hit it like seven or eight times just in hopes that one of them will connect. Also, I forgot that there was a run button in this game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've just been jogging this whole time. Yeah, me too. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, we can talk about some of the uh, dreams that we unlocked this go-round. Um, I know you said you did not unlock this one, Portress of the Dead. Yeah, I didn't unlock this one, but I have read it now. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this one was about uh, Kaim was uh, riding on a boat, I believe, with a woman whose job is to basically paint or write uh, or draw uh, a person's face before, right before they die. Like, that's their job. And she can't do it after they die. She has to do it while in the process of dying, otherwise it doesn't look right. It's almost like... Um, they even mention in the in the story the um, the death masks that they used to do back in the day. Yeah. Um. And uh, she shows Kaim her portfolio, and the last picture is a picture of a young girl that's unfinished. And um, she said that was her daughter who died three years earlier. 
and um, she said she could never finish it because she was uh, she was crying too much. Yeah, because she only has a couple of minutes before the soul leaves the body. I think she said the timing was it has to be after they die, but before the soul departs. Yeah, before the before the body cools is what she said. Yeah. So she said you have to you have to draw just like you've only got a couple of minutes to really capture the essence in that in that moment, in that transfer. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess as far as it fitting into the game, I I thought it was interesting. Just the one, to me, weirdly specific detail that he was sipping rye whiskey. I don't know why that stuck out to me so much <laughs> as. I just I mean I I guess I know Jensen drinks and I know Kaim has been I guess mostly alone for these thousand years as far as he knows or as far as we know yeah so I, I guess maybe it makes perfect sense that he would just be sitting on a boat drinking whiskey by himself and I like that that was the 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 kind of the point the essence that they used to connect these two because she talks a bit about how she's looked down on in her profession because she can't get excited because you can't show emotion when because you only have a few minutes and you can't get attached to the subject because they're yeah. dead and gone. And so that she had kind of this this nihilism about her and the fact that he was alone and had that air about him because he had just come as, from a, as a mercenary from the battlefield having killed so many people. I, I thought that was an, just an interesting way to sync up that they, they, they had a similar feel about them or she sensed that he had this, I don't know, not disdain, but you know, had been around death a lot and as had she and then ending it with he'll never need her services. Yep. A reminder, hey, he's an immortal. Yep. So they 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 like to make sure you know that. <laughs> Every ten minutes. Yep. Uh the uh the next uh one was when I don't think you can miss it. Uh Elegy Island. Yeah, I don't think you can miss this one. Yeah. I like this story a lot. Um, basically it was about this island who, uh, its inhabitants were kind of cut off from the rest of the world. Um, they had their own, uh, traditions, particularly when somebody died, they sang, uh, hymns with no particular lyrics or tune to them and they would do it for days on end. And it was, uh, for celebration, for anger, for losing someone, for sorrow. And it, it all became like this long drawn out kind of thing that, uh, the, the entire Island did. Uh, and, uh, sometime probably, I think they said, what, like 400 years ago, uh, a, a kingdom of a very warlike kingdom came in and just, completely brutalized the people killed every single person on the island and uh it's it's basically told through um like a like a like a historian is telling it how they remember it because Kaim is sitting there on a boat going to the island um, with a bunch of researchers who want to basically research this island to figure out what actually happened to these people. And uh, this this young like archaeologist 
historian is talking to Kaim, telling him about this. And, of course, Kaim's playing coy. Stop being coy head. But um, uh, saying he's never been to the island. But uh, the 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 rumor is is that there, the island itself is constantly singing. And you can hear it. And the people who hear it will go mad. Uh, and he and, gives her a little tiny bit of advice. Yeah, and he tells he and if, if you hear singing, hum along with it. Hum along with it. Uh, but uh, it goes into great detail of what actually happened here because Kaim knew what actually happened here because he was around during that time. Uh, this 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 force came in and completely murdered in horrible ways the entire like island inhabitants. Uh, to the point where, uh, of course, the the islanders were singing while this was going on because they were mourning the people that they lost. Uh, the remaining ones were uh, locked up in this cave, and they wouldn't come out. And uh, the uh, the the soldiers um, made a cave in happen, and uh, they said that the singing continued for days. They could still hear it, and it drove a lot of the soldiers crazy. Um, and uh, the when they land on this island, uh, a lot of the scientists and, and historians start to, to go a little crazy because they can hear the singing, uh, all except for the, the girl, the young girl. And uh, she comes back and says that she... Uh, she just heard she heard it and instead of trying to block it out she listened and come to find out it's actually a a healing song it's a song that is playing constantly to remind anyone who comes here the atrocities that happened i thought that was a pretty good one it's yeah, very it's very detailed yeah Yep. It's my favorite one of this section. This play session anyway. It didn't it didn't enlighten as much about Kaim. But you know, it, it was just kind of a, an interesting little short story. Yeah. Uh the next one would be a different person's dream. Uh Seth's dream. Um where she remembers um, her days of being a pirate. Uh, she was essentially what it was like a Robin Hood character. She would she would only rob the the well-to-do ships and never kill anybody. Just uh, just uh, roughed them up a little bit. Took their took not all of their stuff, but just some of their stuff, and distributed it to people who didn't have anything. Um, and uh, she was well known around the pirate circles as, as being this this way. Well, the, the other pirates didn't take kindly to that, so they um, they uh, captured her and took her to an island where nobody knew where she was, and chained her in a cave and left her there to for all eternity, essentially. Because they knew that she was immortal, and uh, she lost track of the days 
of how long she was chained there. And then uh, one day, a man showed up, her partner, as she kept calling him, um, who has wings? Yeah, I, I I must have misread this. I thought it was like a fairy, like a tiny, like one-inch high fairy in my mind. Okay, my, I, I I don't know. I was thinking it was more like a like an angel type guy. Yeah, I was thinking Tinker of Bell. But uh he he was uh he was the last of his 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 race. Um and uh, apparently they live very long lives as well. And uh he said that uh he also uh walks a lonely road, the only road he's he's ever known. Um <laughs> And uh, she does too, so they decided to partner up, and they both uh, became pirates again. So she was freed from from that, uh, and it does show her uh, crying and remembering this. She mentions the name Sed, S-E-D, but that was not what mm. the man's name was that saved her. Yeah, it was Aniara. 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 Yeah. And then finally, the last one I got was uh, The Hero, which I actually like this story a lot, too. And yeah, it was, me too. It was about a uh, a man who uh, was welcomed back to his home village after uh, going up in the ranks uh, during a war. He became a general, and his entire village was celebrating him and his victories and uh, they put him up on stage and were uh, having like these, these actors act out all of his wonderful, uh, glorious battles and how he won and murdered all these guys. And, and, and he's, he's trying to be happy and, and joking about it. Uh, but in his mind, he just remembers, yeah, I murdered a lot of people and that changes you. And uh, he's telling Kaim the story um, while he is now older, and and he's like standing on this hill with Kaim, uh, uh, overlooking his troops. And um, as he continues on with the story, uh, he comes to the realization that day that he doesn't want to be a killer anymore. He wants to. He wants to finally live his life which is accepting and cherishing every life on this planet Uh, and in doing so he is marked as a traitor and is basically just hated because he 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 threw down his sword essentially became a sheep herder and it yeah and, and that's that's the big reveal is that his troops that he's overwatching were actually uh, the sheep that he was, he had became a shepherd. Scruffy looking nerf herder. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that's all the, uh, dreams that I got. Did you get any more, Matt? I, uh, I did get one other one. Uh, the bread of grandma Kodo. Did you get, you didn't get that one? It was when we were in Tosca village, just one, one of the people that you end up talking to and, I think it's 
time in the memory from when he was younger and this this Tosca village was about to become a battlefield and they're trying to get this old lady to relocate to a a camp so that they don't have to worry about her while they're fighting in this village. Uh, and she she basically just says, no, screw you to all the troops. You know, I'm not going. You can't make me go. And Kaim kind of befriends her a little bit. And she's like, I can't leave. I need to sow the fields because that's what I always do. I always plant these seeds. And I always make bread. And I've lost my whole family. And I've only got one kid left. And I need to make this loaf of bread so that when he comes back, we can have our tradition of sharing this loaf together. And Kaim ends up convincing her in the end, I think, to go. Or he, like, hides her. I don't think she goes. I think he hides her. And then ends up, you know, they, they, they fight in this village. Um, she survives it, obviously. And then he helps her plant the seeds after, in the, in the next spring. Or the next fall, I guess. Right. And she's like, look, at." I, I knew this is the way it was. All the older people who went over to that camp couldn't make it back because it was so far. It was like two mountains away, and she's like, I'm just way too old to do that. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die here. And she didn't die, and then she's back at her old ways of, of planting the wheat, and because of the battle, they had like trampled all the seeds, and it was there was a only enough wheat that was generated to make one loaf and she ends up sharing it with Kaim in the end. I think her I think her son had died, so he he had gone out of his way to befriend this old lady and then they broke bread together in the end. Okay. It was not a not a bad story. You know, it was again I guess just a little bit on his character and how he's I guess thoughtful. Really, he was. They, they they really juxtaposed him with the rest of the the military men. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I've uh, got one email. Let's see here, where is it? There it is. Comes in from uh, Chad. Says, uh, "Howdy, crew." My email this week will be unusually short as I've been <laughs> in inundated. Yep. 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 I, I had a hard time reading that apparently. I've been in, inundated with work lately. As for the Gongora Cobra scene, yes, that is full ham and cheesy. <laughs> totally <laughs> and totally cringeworthy. Like the Robert Downey Jr. says, never go full ham and cheese. Uh, <laughs> this is a great example of what I previously noted about the inconsistent tone in this game. It alternates from yeah. deeply depressing and thought-provoking scenes to what the fuck was that? <laughs> All right. Uh, he says, this scene in particular reminded me of an episode of Supernatural called Hollywood Babylon where the producers of a movie were pissing off the writers. So how do how do the ghosts hear the seance? Do they just have super hearing? We don't want to confuse our audience. Just write into the script that ghosts have super hearing. <laughs> I can imagine a similar conversation. How do the players know that the snake attack was caused by Gongora? Just superimpose <laughs> his face on the snake. It'll look cool. 
most of the time, I just brush off these scenes since almost all JRPGs are cheesy in nature. However, unlike this game, traditional JRPGs are consistently cheesy, so they typically get a pass. I think the reason it stands out here is that it is similar to listening to a great singer. They may be a phenomenal vocal artist and be able to sing in a way like no else, but if they get pitchy or go off key, it hits like a hammer and you can't help but wince. Anyway, I'm about halfway through disc three and I should have more to talk about next week. Hopefully everyone is at least enjoying the game at least a little bit and it doesn't feel like a waste of time. Until next time, Chad. Well, thank you for that email, Chad. Um, yeah, it, it, that scene is... There's, I don't think anything's going to top that scene. Yeah, I don't we didn't, think so either. We didn't see much Gungora in this last play session. Yeah, there's still an opportunity. He's got to come back. Oh, I know. He's I'm, got a bigger part to play in this game, for sure. He, he is He is the end goal here at this point. So, yeah, yeah we'll definitely be seeing him. Now, here's here's a question I want to throw to you. Is Gongora the big bad of this game? Uh, I I have thought he was going to be for this whole game. Mm-hmm. And then in this last play session, you know, there's been some questions of whether what he's doing is actually bad or not. Right. And... I started thinking, I got really excited when there was a little bit of time travel. Uh, that you're just about to get to. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which really made me think that the offhanded comment from last week about a potential for time travel might be a real thing. And then, you know, that got me thinking about. You know, maybe, maybe Gungor is doing some of this as a way to protect the world again. You know, using magic, trying to harvest magic, trying to create this team of immortals. But I, I still need to go back and watch that scene because I don't know what it was that Gungora was doing as part of this immortal supergroup. That was never said. Yeah. But even the tone, like, I, I really want to just see that scene and see how they talk about him and just, I mean, that that seems like such a critical scene for the game. And to your point, there, there should have been more context. And to my point, I didn't even see it. Yeah. So <laughs> I got even less of it. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if that complicates the idea of him being the big bad, if he used to be part of their team. Because you can you can certainly have jaded ex team members who come back and want revenge, or you know, or or the other way around, and maybe you know maybe the whole team made a pact to do something good, and he was he was the one that had to stay behind, and uh, you know, and keep his memories and only know when to start giving them their memory back, but that doesn't make sense because he wants them not to have their memories. Right. Mm. So here's... here. I'll, I'll throw this question out to you then. Will Gungora join our party? 
Uh, I think if he does, it'll be like the last thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it'll be at the very end. He'll be like fighting alongside us for some reason. Yeah. Which yeah. again, if if it hadn't been for that scene that I didn't see, I would have probably said no. But if he was part of our team in the past, that makes me think even more that he will end up good. In my mind, it's like in it, Stephen King's it. Uh-huh. How Mike Hanlon had to stay behind and bring the team back together. Sure. Only, you know, only when Pennywise came back. Maybe he's fulfilling that role in some sense. Yeah, could be. He's the one that kept his memories, bringing the bringing the immortals back. It doesn't really make sense that he is trying to stop them from getting their memories unless there was a specific timing. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. I th- I, now, now that you're 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 saying this stuff, I feel like it makes sense that Gungora is trying to protect the rest of the immortals by removing their memories. You think protecting them, not protecting the world? I, I would say protecting them. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. He, he He's doing this for a reason, and I don't think it's a nefarious reason. Yeah. It comes off nefarious because of just how shady it looks, and because of his oh, because face. you're playing... Yeah, <laughs> and his dyed hair. Yeah. And the fact that you're playing as one of the people who's... You know the subject of his memory erasure. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see though. Uh, it's 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 definitely getting more interesting. Yeah. So I, I I'm wondering if we will get the whole the the band back together. We'll get all the immortals back together. Yeah, I don't believe that's the case, but I do see him in one particular scenario as the Canlin of this group. Right. For sure. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, I think uh, I think it's a good stopping point then. We I got... do still love Jansen. Jansen is still quality. I, he, I find it, I just find him funny, he, and it's not what he says as much as the way the voice actor delivers it. Yeah. No, that guy is legit a good voice actor. I don't know who that is. I want to know who that is. So let's look it up here. I'm going to go to Internet Movie Database. Maybe it's there. It probably isn't, but I'm going to check it anyway. Lost Odyssey. There it is. Let's see here. Michael McGarnharn. McGonharn. I don't know. He is Knuckles. Knuckles. Yeah, from Sonic. Hasn't been in much since. I peaked. He knew when to go out of maybe. I guess. He did Knuckles and Sonic Adventure. Only Sonic Adventure. What is up with these? Huh. What? All right. 1996. Blondes have more guns. 1996. One girl... Two guns. Is it a sequel? He was in an Ace Ventura video game? I didn't even know such a thing existed. What? Where do you see this at? Ace Ventura Pet Detective, The Case of the Serial Shaver? I do not see this at all. 
Uh, I'm on some website, BehindTheVoiceActors.com. Ah, I gotcha. He plays Ace Ventura, leading man. No, oh, there you go. This cannot be a good game, though. I would assume no. Looks like he played in a game, Ground Control. To Major Tom? <laughs> Tara, Tara Strong plays Seth. Did not realize that. Hmm. Looks like he was a, did some cartoon as told by Ginger, which looks like Rugrats yeah. animation style. But... It's like a Nickelodeon style. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He does a great job, though. Yeah, he does. Anyway. So, yeah. I think that's going to be it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to ask how how you're feeling, if you have any... I mean, other than the story, other than the characters, what you know? Are you, how are you feeling about this game as we're just about getting to the halfway point? I'm I'm feeling okay. Uh, I'm still enjoying it. Um, it, it it hasn't necessarily slowed down too much. It slowed down during the funeral stuff a little bit. Yeah, but that was that was kind of I, I get why they had that in there. Um, but it's been going by relatively quickly. Yep. It it does move us from place to place pretty quickly. Yeah. And they're quite different places. Like all of a sudden we're in a haunted mansion. Yeah. Like that it's just kind of out of nowhere. Which is fun fact, the the place where I stopped last time. So, so the last time I played this game, this is where I made it to. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. I'm I'm actually more excited now that it'll be new for both of us. Yeah, yeah, after after this part. In fact, I never made it through this mansion. In fact, I think I did the exact same thing I did here. <laughs> I was like, I don't know where I'm going. These monsters suck. I saved it and quit and never went back to it. So, yeah. This is this will be all new territory for me. Yeah, it's while I was in that mansion that I decided to go back to Numara and pick up all those extra items. And then that, they put up little barriers so you can't go back into Numara. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because I had I had worked it all out because there's an item shop in there that has new weapons, which I'm like, okay, I could just buy new weapons. That sounds like a pretty easy upgrade because I haven't barely spent any money on anything in this game. And also you can buy all kinds of new bracelets and bands that give you protection from getting stoned and protection from fear, all those things. I'm like, yeah, I, I want all of those so I can start distributing those capabilities to my team. And then, but to do that, you have to try to go into the back room. It won't let you in. Then you need to go to a different building, get a secret password, then go back to the back to the item shop, give the password, and then you can get into the back room, which allows you to buy all the stuff. Hmm. So I was all set to do all that. I had it all sorted out, and then I just can't get back into Numara. Great. So that that canned that whole idea. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm sure we'll get back there eventually. Yeah, and if not there, we'll get to the next city, and I'll have saved up even more gold. Yeah. Well, there was a a vendor 
in the the inn and the little village right before the mansion. Yep. But I he did. didn't have weapons, I don't think. Yeah, he had weapons. I bought weapons there. Did he? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I gave everybody a new shiny weapon. Ah, uh, I'm feeling disadvantaged now all of a sudden. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it worked for me. But yeah, I'm feeling good. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm excited because I haven't seen any of the rest of this game. So yeah, all new, yeah. all new world. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare close your eyes, man! I just keep referencing songs <laughs> this this episode. I don't know. What's Still want to miss the thing? I guess. Jesus. <laughs> Jeremy spoke in class today. Uh, <laughs> I just I don't know. That one popped in my head. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, I, t- if you would like to send an email, please do. It's, uh, drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I am at Drew Leachman. Matt is at REMGS and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix down. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be it for us. We're going to, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to try to keep up. I'm going to try to, I think, I think what? we should easily finish the second disc this playthrough. Oh yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, we'll move on to disc number three, but, uh, yeah, we're going to get out of here until next time. I am drew. And I'm Matt and we're gone. You guys have a great week. We'll be back next week with the continuation of lost. Odyssey.